This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour, a co-production of WNYC Studios and The New Yorker. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick. At the end of this month, after more than two decades, Netflix is phasing out its DVD rental business. Yes, it's DVD business. For a casual movie fan, this seems like just an inevitable step toward the ubiquity of streaming. But keep this in mind. Streamers like HBO Max and Disney Plus drop titles from their platforms by the dozen all the time, and they don't give you a lot of explanation or warning. And so for real movie fans, that's not good. And they're taking the Netflix news hard. Uh, Hi, we're here for uh, Richard Brody. Our producer, Adam Howard, went the other day to commiserate with The New Yorker's Richard Brody. Hey, hi. Richard. Thank hey, you so hi. much for letting us nice to meet you. your home. Oh, please. Really Come on it. in. Welcome. You are welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Richard Brody writes our column, The Front Row, and as an obsessive cinephile, his apartment and his desk at work, I can attest, are stacked to the ceiling with DVDs. So, as I'm sure you know, Netflix has decided to uh, discontinue their disc rental service. I think for a lot of people, this news might be greeted with a shrug. But I imagine for someone like yourself, who's, uh, you know, a film critic and and a film enthusiast, you might greet this news with a little bit more uh, concern. Well, Netflix's discontinuation of their DVD rentals is indicative of the overall demise of physical media. Physical media is what protects us from being at the complete mercy of streaming services for our movies and our music. It's like having a library at home. And when it comes to physical media, is there an ideal format? I mean, some folks back in the day used to have laser discs. I was pretty excited when VHS came in because it didn't just mean rentals. In fact, VHSs were hardly ever meant for purchase except for the wonderful knockoffs you'd find at convenience stores. That's how my, after the first VHS I ever bought was Orson Welles' The Trial, a oh, complete wow. and total bootleg. It cost me $2, and the film wasn't really available in other forms. You, where would you have found Orson Welles' The Trial? Like, oh, Dwayne Reed, CVS. That was at a Dwayne Reed? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So you think it's fair to say that getting a DVD player or a VHS player is still like a worthwhile investment? Well, VHS, I don't know. Depends on what you've got. I mean, I actually have, I had hundreds, maybe thousands of VHS tapes, most of which I had recorded off TV, but I got rid of them over time. The ones that I needed, I would simply copy from VHS to DVD, and then I gave them away um, or threw them out, depending. Um, But... DVD player, absolutely, yeah. because that format, I think, is going to be around for quite a while. Blu-ray, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, Blu-ray has something um, 
almost hyper-realistic about it. Um, sometimes when I watch a Blu-ray, I feel like I'm seeing things that would never have been seen right. had I been watching a movie in a theater. It's like yeah. watching a microscopic view of a movie. It's definitely making a lot of toupees much more evident, uh, which is unfortunate for a lot of people. Um, one of the things I sort of miss is when I was a kid, just sort of going to the video store and kind of just looking at the boxes and, and sort of taking a chance on something that looked cool. And I'm curious, you know, how much you think has been lost from that transition, from, from sort of the experience of walking into a store and, and renting a movie or buying a movie, talking about it with your friends, to just sort of sitting at home and, and scrolling. Well, it's funny how the idea of the communal has regressed. When home video came in and people started renting movies and watching them at home, a lot of people um, lamented the fact that the communal experience of theaters was being lost in favor of people sitting alone or privately and watching movies at home. Um, the first, the first DVD I ever bought was also a um, convenience store knockoff. It was of the musical <laughs> The Pajama Game, okay, probably for two dollars. And the beauty of it was that this was a print that was put onto a DVD with no restoration. And I felt like I was sitting at the old Repertory House Theater 80 on St. Mark's Place, watching a beautiful yet beat up old print. I gotta buy me a dressy dress, the one that I have is such a mess. Small talk. Who will you vote for next election? How do you like the stamp collection? Small talk. Read in a book the other day that halibut spawn in early May and horses whinny and donkeys bray and furthermore... Richard Brody, Talking Film, with the Radio Hours. Adam Howard. We'll continue in a moment. WNYC Studios is supported by Lincoln Financial. The questions around retirement have gotten... tiring. Instead of, have you saved up enough? Shouldn't they be asking, what is it that you love to do? And how can we help you keep doing it? The truth is, you're not slowing down. So your retirement plan should be more of an action plan. A hiking plan. A music plan. A sailing plan. The point is, whatever you're passionate about, we can help make sure you never stop. At Lincoln Financial, we have the products to help protect and grow your financial future so you can keep doing more of what you love. Make your pastimes last a lifetime at lincolnfinancial.com slash action plan. Lincoln Financial Group, marketing name for Lincoln National Corporation and its insurance companies and broker slash dealer affiliate Lincoln Financial Distributors, Inc. Copyright 2024, Lincoln National Corporation. Hi, it's David Remnick. If you're enjoying this podcast, you might enjoy even more of what The New Yorker has to offer. Becoming a subscriber gives you unlimited access to The New Yorker, including Pulitzer Prize-winning reporting, insightful cultural commentary, and fiction and poetry. You'll also enjoy our delightful cartoons, crossword puzzles, narrated stories, and much more. This past year, our readers were gripped by Ronan Farrow's profile of Elon Musk, Heidi Blake's extraordinary tale about Dubai's runaway princesses, and much more. Visit newyorker.com to gain access to all this and more. Use the code POD15, P-O-D-1-5, to secure a 15% discount on a yearly digital subscription. That's P-O-D-15 for a 15% discount. So yeah, you mentioned some of your own collections. We wanted to talk about what your most precious items are. Um, theoretically, if there was a horrific fire and you had an opportunity to save uh, films from your apartment, what films those would be and why? The first is a homemade. Um, okay. It's Godard's King Lear, which uh, I consider the greatest film ever made, okay. literally. 
I think it made about 33 cents when it was released. I mean, I saw it, you know, <laughs> three good. times the week it opened, and I think I, you know, multiplied its box office significantly. <laughs> um, it's a great movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, it has Molly Ringwald, it has uh, Burgess Meredith, it has Peter Sellers, the theater director, playing William Shakespeare Jr. the fifth. <laughs> it has Norman Mailer, it has Woody Allen. It's an insane cast. Uh, it's a great yeah. movie. What do you think will happen now? Before seven years have passed, the Americans will lose everything they have in France in a great victory which God is sending to the French. I say this now so that when the time has come, it will be remembered that I have said it. Um, but it not only did not do well, but it got terrible reviews. It's sort of a film modi, a film that its greatness is in diametrical disproportion to the reviews that it got at the time. Mm. Um, which is not available on DVD. Really? Not in any format? Not in any format. Okay. So but how did you get it? I got it because it was broadcast on this channel that was called Uptown, and I recorded it on VHS. And then when I feared that the VHS tape was going to get old, I transferred it to DVD. So let's see what, what's next. Well, one of the most important things about home video is that it makes available movies that are rarely available in any other form. One of them is Chameleon Street, Wendell B. Harris Amazing Jr.'s movie. 1989 movie. It's a very loose adaptation of the real-life story of a man named Douglas Street, who was a famous imposter. He was a black man in Detroit who um, had enormous intellectual ambitions and was stuck working in his father's small business and made his escape by way of pretending to be a lawyer, a doctor, a student. Um, he even performed surgery successfully yeah. before he yeah. was caught. I'm so far ahead of you. I know what you're about to say. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're writing on those evaluation papers. I know that you're wearing an incredibly cheap toupee. I mean, I could sit here and punch all the right buttons and make you think you're a genius for correctly analyzing this complex, exotic, notorious Negro. But, notorious Negro? <laughs> That'd be a good name for my autobiography. I actually was introduced to this movie in college because of a VHS tape, because some friends of mine randomly bought it. I think they thought the box looked cool. They watched the movie, and then they were like, you should see this movie because this main character reminds me uh, of you. They said this character reminds me of you, <laughs> which is a, always a weird thing to hear. But then when I saw the movie, I was like, well, this character is very cool, so I'm excited <laughs> about that. Um, and I both love the movie and love the fact that it's available to me at yeah. my disposal on DVD anytime I want. And also, I should add that... I had the honor of having this DVD inscribed to me by Wendell wow. B. Harris himself. Yeah, that's an amazing choice. I'm very excited about that one. Um, okay, let's take a look at this next one. Um, this is a set that came out very recently of another pair of American independent films. The two films are called Stranded from 1965 and The Plastic Dome of Norma Jean from 1966, which is also, by the way, the first film that Sam Waterston appeared in. Um, huh. The director is Julian Compton. Stranded is one of the great American independent films. Um, I think that if I had seen it in a timely way, if I had seen it in my youth, it would have changed my life. Oh. For the better, I should Why add. Why do you say that? It's a movie that shows what an American filmmaker can do with a particular European artistic sensibility in mind. It's essentially an American New Wave film, an American French New Wave film with Compton herself playing the lead role as an American woman in Europe going from one adventure to another, very free-spiritedly. 
And can I see what the full collection is called? It's the title? Cinematic Journeys, two films by Julene Compton. Yeah, I've never heard of her. Her work is virtually unknown, and this only just came out. It's a fact that, you know, should change the future course of film history, Great. that people can readily see her films. Well, I, that's a lot of enthusiasm, so that makes me want to check it out. Um, okay, what else have we got? Um, I'm a John Cassavetes freak. Sure. Yeah, I like him too. Cassavetes is, in effect, the quintessential American independent filmmaker, someone who already made a career as an actor in Hollywood, but knew that he wanted to direct, and did so in unusual ways. His first feature, Shadows, was done with the 1950s equivalent of Kickstarter. He went on the radio and solicited funds. People would subscribe to the movie for $5. He, they, he would use the money that came in to make the film, and then because of their investment, they would have a ticket to see the movie. Um, but Cassavetes is a very personal director. Most of his great movies were made with his wife, Jenna Rollins, who is, in my opinion, the greatest living American film actor. Very personal films about domestic life, about family life, about the frustrated passions of American middle-class men. And for the longest time, his films were very hard to see. Um, Criterion put out a box maybe 10, 15 years ago of five films, Shadows, Faces, A Woman Under the Influence, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, and one that was among the rarest, Opening Night, Mm. that never got a proper release. He released it himself. When it was released... It was not reviewed by any major publication, including The New Yorker. That is the profoundest film about the life of an actor, about the work of an actor that I've ever seen. It culminates in a spectacular sequence in which Cassavetes and Rollins are on stage together doing a play that she doesn't want to do and that she transforms improvisationally into a kind of psychodrama in real time. When were you ever funny? When was I ever funny? I never heard you tell one stinking joke and you never laugh at anyone else. I used to be funny. I used to be very funny. When? When I was a kid. (laughs) Yeah, that's a very intense movie in a good way. And the possibility that these films should be unavailable seizes me with terror. I would take (laughs) these with me in a fire. This is a very random overshare, but true story, that box set was on my wedding registry. Because we had an unconventional wedding registry because we had more than enough pots and pans when we got married. So we put things on it like this. And so this John Cassavetes box set was purchased for my wedding. So we have that at home. Um, Cool. Well, this is an amazing collection. I really appreciate you kind of giving us a little window into your world and uh, sharing this sort of private stash with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. The New Yorker's Richard Brody speaking with producer Adam Howard. Netflix's DVD service officially ends on September 29th. The company says that subscribers can keep their final batch of discs. In fact, they probably insist on it. I'm David Remnick. That's our program for today. Thanks for listening. See you next time. The New Yorker Radio Hour is a co-production of WNYC Studios and The New Yorker. Our theme music was composed and performed by Meryl Garbes of Tune Yards with additional music by Louis Mitchell. This episode was produced by Max Balton, Frida Green, Adam Howard, Kalalia, David Krasnow, Jeffrey Masters, Louis Mitchell, and Gofen Mputubwele, with guidance from Emily Botin and assistance from Harrison Keithline, Michael May, David Gable, Amy Pearl, and Alejandra Deckett. The New Yorker Radio Hour is supported in part by the Charina Endowment Fund.
On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts. Notes from America.